Are you still stuck in the dark ages of sending Venmo requests to your clients and texting them their workouts? With TrueCoach, you can easily manage clients, automate payments, create custom workout plans, track progress, and see results. All in one place. You can get TrueCoach for just $1 for the first three months, giving you the perfect opportunity to experience our cutting-edge coaching platform with a two-week free trial. Plus, as an ISSA coach, you can add the TrueCoach badge to your credentials and stand out from the competition. Take advantage of the exclusive early access sale just for ISSA listeners. Sign up for a free trial or subscribe today at truecoach.co with code ISSA2024. That's ISSA2024. Hurry, this offer won't last long. Welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. It's your co-host, Jenny Liebel, here with John Bauer. How are you? Yes, I'm great. I'm glad to be back. And these ones are always so fun because it's just you and me talking some nerdy fitness stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we all love research. At least you and I do anyway, because we're just we're just nerdy like that. And so I'm super excited to talk about some of the new research. I mean, there's stuff that came out yesterday, John. So after I already wrote down what we're talking about today, <laughs> there's stuff that they were talking about in the last like two or three days that I'm like, oh, I have to save this for next time. But there's always so much information coming out and it's super cool. I think I feel like and correct me if I'm wrong, like you've been in the academic side of this for a long time. But I feel like there's been so much research that's been going on around fitness and nutrition and health and wellness and the, the best practices, right? And ideal ways. There's never a best way, right? Ideal ways or optimal ways to achieve X, Y, or Z. But I feel like with the way that technology is and the internet and social media and stuff, it's just easier to get to the research. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, especially compared to, to when I started, right? I, I had to um, be a member of different uh, different forums or I had to receive, I used to receive the Quarterly Journal of Applied Biomechanics, which was, as it sounds, it's a heavy read. It's a heavy read. Uh, but now I don't, I don't really receive any of those things except for some of the emails that I get. But uh, uh, we can hop online and, and do a lot of research. You just have to know where to find the good research because there's some not so useful research out there. Absolutely. But yeah, Google is a great place to go using the tag NCBI. It takes you to like PubMed and some of these other places where people actually deliberately post their research. Somebody actually asked the other day on our Facebook page before we dive in, like, what are other resources for like journal articles that's not, they said not WebMD, which I would not use WebMD as a research place. That's like using Wikipedia to me. So that's a no. But um, they also said PubMed. But PubMed is the, one of the big ones, right? And then NIH, which is National Institute of Health, which is a U.S. thing. Do you know of any other places to get like good, solid research, John? Well, I mean, you mentioned a lot, a lot of the big ones that I would typically use. But right? then there's there's this other other step where you can know who some of the experts are out there. So some of the people that I follow, like like Brad Schoenfeld or Alan Aragon, they're, they're researchers. Eric Helms, who's been a, uh, a guest on the podcast, they're researchers and they'll yeah. put a lot of their stuff out there. So if you follow them, listen to their podcasts um, and, and see when they release their research, that's a great you know immediate way 
to get your hands on what is going on right now. Fair enough. Yeah. Brad Schoenfeld posts a lot. I love his stuff. Like every week he's posting something that they're working on in his lab or that they've, they're publishing or in the works of publishing. Uh, Lane Norton is another one. Eric Helms. Absolutely. Yeah. Great call out. Great call out. So yeah, definitely find those uh, appropriate people on social media and, and different avenues and follow what they're posting out too. It's a faster way to get a hold of a lot of the stuff that ends up on places like PubMed. Um, so anyway, John, let's dive in. I've got three pretty cool studies. At least I thought they were cool. <laughs> okay. So you ready to dive into our lightning fitness facts for the day? I love it. I I have a feeling you're going to stump me with at least one of these today. Hopefully not, <laughs> but let's get our learn on. All right. So let's dive into the first one here. So we know that physical activity and deliberate exercise are beneficial for our physiology, but what do you think we're finding out about the way resistance training specifically impacts things like mood, memory, and mental information processing speeds? What do you think? Uh, well, just to give you a short answer, I have to believe that there are positive impacts that resistance training is going to have on all those things. You know, when we think about resistance training, we think about building bigger and stronger muscles, which is part of it. But the process of doing resistance training means that we're increasing blood flow all throughout the body. In some cases, we're increasing the capacity for blood flow in each particular muscle. So all of that spells probably good things when it comes to what you just mentioned, mood, memory, and, and mental information processing. Absolutely, John. And you are dead on. I'll talk to you about a study that I found. Um, but resistance exercise can improve attention, mental focus, as well as mental processing speeds. And it may impact mood and recognition memory in some people. So I love the way that you explain that, though, John, because it's easy to just say, oh, it can absolutely positively benef like benefit these things. But to understand the why behind it, not only does it make sense then why it would potentially impact positively your mood, your focus, your memory, things like that. But it, it helps it stick, right? It helps us remember this stuff because um, that's one thing, right? To read a study and or read information. And it's another thing to actually remember it and apply it and understand what this means for me as a fitness professional. So I love the way you explained that. But yeah, John, a recent study out of the University of Scranton in Scranton, Pennsylvania, that reminds me of The Office. Isn't that mm -hmm. where The Office was set? Okay, just like, <laughs> it was exploring the hypothesis. So they started with a hypothesis, right? That's the way most research studies start. They start with a, an idea. Here's what we think happens. And then they either prove it or disprove it, right? So they started with a hypothesis that resistance exercise increases arousal and circulating catecholamines, which are associated with memory and cognitive fun function. They took a group of 23 college-aged males. So you guys know I always point out the study like participants because it matters, right? It was males and they were college-aged. So 23 college-aged males. So note the limitations of a small sample size and the fact that they were males with no reported history of cardiovascular disease, no contraindications for exercise, no diagnosed anxiety or depression, and no current participation in any type of endurance athletics. So these were all limitations to the population that they studied. Um, and they either completed a 40-minute exercise session or a rest session, followed by a cognitive task. There were three individual testing sessions, each separated by at least seven days. And the subject were, subjects were tested at the same time of day. So sometime between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. each time, with no testing being completed during the weeks that the participants had exams. That's important to understand, right? Exams are stressful and they require a lot of brain work. So no exams. Uh, no, no participants were doing exams. They did find a positive correlation in the exercise groups 
with arousal and information processing speeds, and some participants had improved moods and recall memory, but not all of them. However, an important caveat was that they found resistance in exercise increased restlessness and reduced the ability of the cardiovascular system to recover for many of these participants immediately after their session. So in practical terms, I thought that was very interesting. So I wanted to call that out. In practical terms, the authors note that this may have implications for coaches, trainers, and people wanting to capitalize on the cognitive effects of resistance training. You might need to allow a period of quiet or rest after exercise before engaging in a cognitive task to aid in cardiovascular system recovery and to avoid things like restlessness, which can impact the way that we you know, think about things. What are your thoughts on that? You know, one thing I like about research sometimes is it kind of confirms something that we that we already maybe kind of know. Here, here's what I yeah. mean. I know in the morning when I work out in the morning that I'm sharper yeah. after that. I know that sometimes when I'm sitting here at my desk doing the work that we do, I got to get up and I'll get up and do a couple of push-ups. You can't see them, but there's a bunch of kettlebells behind me. So I'll do maybe a couple of swings. And all of that helps to uh, not just kind of wake up my body, but but really I'm doing it because I want to wake up my mind and feel a little bit sharper because I need, uh, you know, I need uh, a sharp brain to do a lot of the work that we do. So uh, I love that about this because, again, it kind of confirms something that a lot of us maybe intuitively do from time to time, but it really confirms it for us so that when we're, you know, trying to get our clients into some good habits, we can do things that not only help them physically and with whatever goal they might have, but it's also something that can positively affect their day-to-day, whether it be at work or at home. Absolutely, John. That's a great call out. Yeah. Like how people feel during the day after working out. Not And then we're not saying that people only can work out in the mornings, right? There's plenty of people who like to work out at midday or in the evenings or the people that go in the middle of the night, have fun with it. But I always like to call this out because as fitness professionals, we're asking our clients to pay attention to their body, pay attention to their habits, right? And a lot of times that's all they need. They just need to be aware of it. Understand that this is important, right? Whether it's your sleep, the things that you put in your mouth, right? How much activity you're getting every day, your hydration status, right? We're just asking you to pay attention because a lot of people, if you just ask them on the, if I just walked up to 10 people on the street and said, how much water do you think you drink in a day? Most people will probably be like, uh, I don't know, right? Because they don't pay attention to it. So for things like this, I think you're, you have a great call out. A lot of us feel sharper after we work out, right? So what I would do is ask my clients, especially if they're new to exercise or just getting back into it, pay attention to how you feel, right? Give me a couple days, right? Right now, don't change anything. How do you feel during the day, right? Hour by hour, maybe do you find that you get sleepy at certain times of day, right? Think about the things that happen to you during the day. How do you feel? And then let's get you exercising regularly. Now tell me how you feel. Is it different? And a lot of people, surprisingly, to your point, will be like, oh man, it is different. I can't explain it, but I feel like I don't get that 2 p.m. lull, right? I don't fall asleep driving home in my warm car. I feel like I can you know, get through my meetings in the morning a little bit better. They start to notice these things. And that alone can drive compliance. People are like, man, I do feel better when I do this. I do get benefits from this outside of the physical benefits. So I want to keep doing this and it can help keep people on track a little bit more. Yeah, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, just to call out something that you were mentioning, just just because I think it's so important is helping our clients to have more awareness of yeah. things. It's it's easy to go day to day and just kind of do what you got to do, do your chores, go to work, commute, etc. 
but not really have an awareness of why you feel good or why you feel bad that day. And sometimes when you have these conversations with clients and they'll say, oh, my energy is so low. I don't I don't feel good. I don't know why. You simply ask them about what they've been up to the last couple of days and you start to find out, oh, OK, there was a lack of sleep. There was too much work. There was this. There was that. And then the answers are there, but they're just not aware of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, and again, by the way, in the notes for this episode will be all the references for all the research that we're talking about as we go. But John, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the principles of fitness, something that you and I teach all the time. And that kind of set the foundation for how we create exercise programming as fitness professionals. One of those principles is the principle of reversibility. So my question is, when following up with individuals one year after either a training protocol with whey protein supplementation or just whey protein supplementation and no training protocol, which group do you think maintained more muscle mass? Okay, so individuals one year after training protocol with whey protein supplementation or um, just whey protein, no exercise training protocol. Okay, so for me, with exercise, I often say simplicity plus consistency equals success, right? So uh, it's it's got to be those people that still maintain the exercise programming. Yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer, but the group that did and continued resistance exercise and took their whey protein supplementation, of course, maintained more muscle mass. Okay, so I re- actually really love this study, so hear me out. In a study conducted by the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the Institute of Sports Medicine, Copenhagen in Denmark, 104 older adults aged 65 and up were assessed. So that's our population right there, 65 and up, 104 people. There were three testing groups. One group performed one year of home-based light resistance training and took daily supplementation of 20 grams of whey protein. One group did one year of like gym-based, center-based resistance training at a gym with daily supplementation of 20 grams of whey protein. And a third group did no resistance training, but did supplement daily with 20 grams of whey protein. All right, so we got our three different groups. Uh, I like this because it's comparing home-based versus gym-based training too. So after a one-year study protocol, they waited another 12 months to reassess all of these subjects. They gave them no instructions to continue or stop their training protocols and say anything about that or start them in the case of the people that hadn't done it. Um, And they wanted to see what percentage of them would either stop or continue training organically. So what happens naturally? First point, they found that about 41% of those who had been doing training during the study, whether it was in home or at a gym, continued to train, while only 18% of those who only supplemented and had no training protocols actually started or took up resistance training during that one-year hiatus. So effectively, those who had been doing it largely continued, and those who were not didn't. Kind of like Newton's first law of motion, right? Things in motion tend to stay in motion unless acted upon by outside forces. Um, so I thought that was super interesting. Secondly, one of, the, uh, of those who are training in-home compared to a gym or a training facility The researchers found very little difference in their overall strength and muscle mass changes after the one-year study protocol and break. This is important because many people think that training in a gym is superior to in-home training, but they're really finding that that's not necessarily the case. It's all about what are you doing, right? And then finally, this is the dull moment, the individuals who did not resistance train during the one-year hiatus lost more muscle mass than those who continued or started training regardless 
of their protein supplementation. That's the key, regardless. Protein is not a magic bullet. So yeah, you're absolutely true. You're absolutely correct. The big takeaway for me is that consistency is key. Um, and I think we all know that. What do you think? Well, you know, I think this kind of points out, um, you know, something about protein and, and supplementation in general, despite what all their marketing says, there's nothing magical about yeah. taking a protein supplement, right? The magic is in the exercise and your body's only going to give you what you ask of it. And if you ask it to not work out, then you're going to have a body that's not good at working out, right? But if you ask your body to lift things and move things and do things, then eventually you get better at doing that. If you're just taking protein, then I guess you become an expert at taking protein supplements right. on a daily basis, but it doesn't really necessarily have an effect on your, on your uh, physical capabilities. Absolutely. Yeah. And I thought it was super interesting that they told that they didn't give them any instruction in that year off to, to work out or not. But again, those who were doing it generally kept doing it, which is awesome. The people who didn't or weren't doing it, some of them started, but a lot of them didn't, right? They just, they do what they're used to. And it's about consistency and building that habit. So it becomes a habit, even after someone reaches their air quotes goal, right? So what? Keep going, right? What you did to get here, you got to keep doing to maintain it. And then what's your next goal? Maybe it's not a huge performance goal, but maybe you find a new goal to go after something to keep you focused. So I love that about that. Anything else you want to add about this one before we go to our third and final study for the day? Yeah, I'll just go back to what I said earlier. Simplicity plus consistency equals success. So, so we talked about the consistency part, but I just want to point out the part where you said there wasn't a lot of difference between people going to the gym and working out at home. And home yeah. workouts can oftentimes be very simple, but apparently also very effective. Now, it may not feel as cool as going to the gym, and they may not have as many fancy things going on at the at the home gym as the as the commercial gym. But the, the, the results speak for themselves, right? If you can get great results doing simple things at home and doing them consistently, then I think that's a great option for a lot of people who maybe don't want to be health club members. Absolutely. Yeah. And if the goal is just to maintain your fitness level, stay strong, prevent the loss of muscle, right? The natural sarcopenia that happens to all of us, then yeah, I think working out at home is a great option. If you have specific goals, maybe not, right? Depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Love that. All right, John, I got one more for you. But a question, have you ever heard of a caffeine mouth rinse, like for use as an ergogenic aid? We know that caffeine is an ergogenic aid, but have you ever heard of a ca caffeine mouth rinse? Well, I'm excited to learn about it because no, I've never heard of this. Right? I was today years old when I learned about this, but I found a really interesting systemic review or systematic view, review on the topic. So my question for you is, we know that caffeine is an ergogenic aid, meaning it can improve physical performance. It's all about the dose. And you always say it that way. It's about the dose, right? Um, but do you think that a caffeine mouth rinse would be effective? What are your thoughts? You know, assuming that you're still getting a decent amount of caffeine, like, uh, you know, you can get a, a cup of coffee from Starbucks and get like 200 milligrams of caffeine. So assuming that you're getting a good dose of caffeine, in order to create the the stimulation that caffeine can give you, uh, it it certainly can. But I would I would just have to know a little bit more about what a caffeine uh, mouth rinse is, and if I need this in my life. Right. So okay. So I bring this up because there's always new products and things being like flashed in front of us, marketed to us, like buy this, buy this. It's going to be the next best thing. Okay. So the short answer is there's no evidence to support that this is effective as an ergogenic aid right? It's about the delivery of that caffeine into your system. So hear me out. The Department of Nutrition at the University of Brazil partnered with a few other university groups to do a systemic review of the available literature 
on caffeine mouth rinses. So that means they took all the, a bunch of studies that they could find that were appropriate for what they were looking for, and they compared them um, to see if it would be effective for improving sports performance and related outcomes. So they identified a total of 16 studies that fit this criteria with a total of 207 participants within those 16 studies. So again, there's our sample size right there, 207 participants. Overall, none of the studies they observed showed any notable effects on things like maximal heart rates or rates of perceived exertion. And the authors do state that more research is needed and the focus should be on dosing and delivery into the system since it is known that caffeine can be beneficial in the appropriate doses, making sure that that dose gets into your system, right? That bioavailability. I did want to share this one because it's and there's so many novel products out there, and this is one of them. It's very interesting. It would seem appealing to some people who are like, oh, this might be easier. Um, a mouth rinse that delivers caffeine outside of, you know, outside of traditional pills, drinks, nasal sprays, gum, gels, all the other ways that we can deliver caffeine into our systems. However, new or unique does not always equal effective. Sometimes it's more effective to, to save your money and stick with something simple. Because I know I take caffeine tablets, 100 milligrams at a time. I take two of them every morning. Uh, those are like $5 for 100 of them. They're super cheap, <laughs> right? So why spend more money on something that may not be as effective? What do you think? Well, I, this just kind of points out something that um, is very common in our world of the, the health and fitness world is, like you said, there's always new products coming out. And the way they're going to market them is not, okay, we got this new product and it's okay and it'll probably work for you. It's it's going to be marketed as something that's going to be great and new and easy to use and very effective and, and all, all of those things that make something sound cool and make make me feel like I need it. And uh, there's a reason why we do this, by the way. Marketing works. Right. Yeah. If, there, if there's if there's a new TV or a new phone and I'm seeing commercials about it, I all of a sudden feel like I need a new TV or a new phone, although I don't. So in the in the uh, in the same vein, when we're talking about um, health and fitness things, if there are things that can kind of make my life easier, make me more excited to work out or give me twice the results in half the time, which I yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of products that can do that, but there's a lot of products that say they can. Say they can. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, then, then, then I'm interested, right? I mean, you even got me interested. As soon as you said caffeine mouth rinse, I kind of said to myself, well, that sounds interesting. Um, so I wanted to learn more about it. So, so marketing, yeah, mar marketing <laughs> does work. So us as fitness professionals, I, I can tell you this because I've been this person in health clubs that I've worked at is I was the person when people had wacky questions about something they heard or something they saw, they would come to me and I'd have to have conversations about caffeine mouth rinse, or uh, I was a trainer when a lot of people were buying these those home ab rockers and, and things like that. So I, I field a lot of questions about uh, things like that. So uh, so it is interesting to hear about things like this. And I think it is cool. But us as the professionals, we have to be the voice of reason between what's cool and what's effective for our clients. Agreed. Agreed. Or don't be afraid to say, hey, I don't know much about that. It might be new. Let me look into it. Or maybe let's wait until there's more research on it or evidence about it. Right. It's That's OK to say, too. Um, so, yeah. So just, a, you know, an idea. Keep your ear on the, the sidewalk. Listen to what's going on out there. Uh, pay attention to what's going on, because, guys, if we see it, your clients are seeing it, too. Um, so just know that they're probably going to have questions about it. And we are that resource that they come to or that person that they trust to give them the right information about stuff like this. So I love that. So that's all I got for you today, John. What are you here to talk about today? Well, you know, as, as we know, a big part of this podcast is we want to give uh, some, some real life information and, and information that's 
um, relevant and and practical uh, on a on a daily or near daily basis for for professionals. And we talk about things like exercise programming, and and all our great guests have great information. Um, but I, I want to make sure that we we kind of highlight the the whole thought process of creating the right experience for for your clients. And and really, what I'm talking about is more of a customer service thing as opposed to an exercise science thing. And Although, and I'm one of these people, uh, I can be really nerdy about the whole exercise science part and the and the, and the programming part. Um, that's not necessarily the part that keeps people coming back for more. And from a business perspective, from the perspective of being a trainer that wants to pay your bills with this job, you have to you have to consider the whole customer service part of the experience and also the type of experience you're giving them during the workout. There are there are people who are literally going to tell you, I never want to do this exercise. I hate it. And then yeah. some trainers will make them do it. And my question is, why are you doing that? If they're telling you, I hate this, they're telling you, really, I hate this experience. And they're probably questioning, why am I paying for this? I hate this. Yet yeah, I keep paying for it because somebody's telling me that it's good for me at some point, and And we've all had this. We've all been ghosted by by clients before, right? And th those are the types of clients that will all of a sudden disappear, change their phone number, quit their gym membership. And it's really just because we weren't paying attention to the fact that although our, our programming was scientifically sound, the experience we were providing for our clientele wasn't really there. So let me, let me just start with a couple of examples that create a good experience and just think of the opposite. The opposite would create a bad experience. Some of these are going to be really basic. And then Jenny, I'll, I'll lean on you for a couple of examples as well. But the trainer that is there waiting for you, ready to go and prepared, that is a great experience as a, as a customer, right? Mm -hmm. Versus the, the trainer that's running in at the same time as you, throwing on their uniform or changing in front of you. And then you hop into the workout and you feel like it's just being made up. That's, that's a bad experience. So that's not something that I would want to keep coming back for, for more. And then uh, another piece of this is just really getting to know your clients. So like I said, some people, there's exercises they don't want to do. That's just a small part of it. You, you kind of want to know what kind of coach they need, right? How are you going to show up for this person? Some people need uh, more, of the, more of the cheerleader. Uh, and some people are going to need someone who's a little bit more calm. And they talk with a, with a voice that's a little bit more calm. And they're a little bit more nurturing because that's what people need. Uh, so, uh, so understanding our clientele allows us to then provide them with the right experience. We know that in fitness, there's a whole lot of different ways you can get your fitness. There's the um, there's the kind of kinder, gentler side of, of fitness where it's, where it's calm and nurturing like yoga and a lot of Pilates classes, although there's a lot of fusion Pilates classes now. Um, but then there's the other side of it where it's a little bit more intense and it's loud and, uh, and it's a completely different experience. The, the big point I'm making is when we when we take all of this into account and we understand that there's a lot of different ways in which we can provide an experience for a person, it allows us to then cater to what is going to keep them, like I said, coming back for more, continuing to pay you and continuing to see whatever their goal is all the way through. You don't want them leaving you before they've actually hit their goal. For me, that's a negative experience as a, as a trainer. And I would prefer that uh, that, that someone stick with me, um, all the way to the end. If they don't, uh, I would have to imagine it's because they, they didn't like the experience and, and they weren't getting the, the results that they wanted. So, so again, uh, outside of the whole exercise programming thing, I think understanding that the type of experience we can, we can create for a person 
is such a big deal. And I'll just give one more example, and then and then Jenny, I'll let you take over. And this is this is more of a, a customer servicey sort of thing. But I got advice early on in my career that it was good to know the important events in a client's life, their birthdays, kids' birthdays, people graduating, et cetera, weddings, whatever the case may be. And then as their trainer to make a big deal about those things. And sometimes it was uh, just getting them a card. I, I had boxes of cards from the dollar store. Um, so I was able to um, you know, just give them a little something to acknowledge that it was their birthday or an important event in their life. That stuff goes a long ways. And I'm telling you, I had clients that stuck with me for years and some of it was the, the training, absolutely. But some of it was also all those other little pieces that created the right experience for them. Yeah, I like that last one. And I mean, we're recording this in the middle of November and we're getting towards the holidays. And um, on our Facebook page, actually, last week, somebody asked like, hey, what's a good gift idea for clients for the holidays? Um, and you're absolutely right. Holidays, birthdays, you know, major events um, are a great thing to acknowledge with our clients. But I'm not going to lie, guys. I love a good sale. And places like Perform Better and some of these equipment companies where you can get like mini bands or like just a small something that's fitness related, you can buy that stuff for super cheap right now. Why not stock up on it? Have a little pack of it. Like John said, grab some cards. I bought mine. I have like a 500 pack of like, they're like marbled tie dye cards with envelopes from Amazon that I keep in my closet. So just in case I need a birthday card or a random card, I have a bunch of cards and I can pick one and throw it in an envelope and you have that stuff ready to go. Um, so that's a great call out um, to make that experience different, to make them feel like they're, you know, heard, they're seen um, and appreciated. Absolutely. It's not just about your clients giving you gifts. They're already paying you. So I never expect gifts from my clients. You're already paying me. So that's that's gift enough. I'll take that. Um, but another experience I would actually call out to John is the experience that your clients have in the gym, especially if you're in a gym with them or even at their home. And I'll give you an example of both. So some clients don't want to be out in front of everybody else, right? They'd rather be off in like in a small exercise room that's empty or off in a corner by themselves. It's important for us to understand that. When you talk to a client and they say, oh, I've never been out there on the free weight floor. I've never been over to that area. And they point to a certain part of the gym. Don't say, oh, it's all right. We'll get you over there. How about you ask some questions, right? Well, why have you never gone over there? Maybe it's because they're embarrassed to be over there or they don't feel like they know what they're doing with the equipment over there or, hey, everybody over there always has their shirt off and I don't feel like I fit in over there, right? There might be something else to it. And so parading your that client around the gym, like going from this machine in the middle of the room to that machine over there in the middle of the room to the TRX that's in the middle of the functional area, which is in the middle of the gym, they might do it. They might look really uncomfortable doing it. And to John's point, they might not show back up next time because they don't want to do that again. And I've seen that happen before. I've never done that to a client, but I've definitely seen it before. And my trainer, I have trainers, my trainer that I work with in person, she, we go all over the place. We're all in the middle of stuff. It doesn't bother me at all, but I think about it all the time. What if I was that client who didn't like to be in front of other people? This would not be the best experience for me. I'd rather go off to another space or a smaller area. So thinking about that kind of stuff. And then even if it was at somebody's home, like a lot of what I do is in-home training, my clients have a casita with a gym in it, and then they have a sport court in their backyard. I get that not everybody has that, right? But do they always want to be out on the sport court outdoors working out? No. John, you know me by now. Am I an indoor person or an outdoor person? Uh, we all know you don't like to go outside. I am a great indoors person. <laughs> 100%. So if you had me outside doing stuff where there are bugs and like sunlight and it's cold, like I'm not going to be excited about that. Does that make sense? You guys like 
put them in an environment where they want to be. If, if somebody tells you like me, I hate bugs. I don't really enjoy being outside. John's talking about hiking and where he went and found a waterfall. I'm like, ew, gross. I was inside doing yoga. <laughs> like I just, it's not my jam. So don't put me outside to work out. Right. But if a client doesn't mind, then absolutely. Or they enjoy it. Why not? John talks about that all the time. Change the experience, change the setting, take them outside, throw a, throw a Frisbee with them or whatever you can do. Take your kettlebells outside right? Make the experience for them. Make them feel heard and seen. This is why I love doing these things with you, Jenny. You reminded me of, of two things. And, and one of the reasons why this is important to me, uh, this is well over 20 years ago. I had a client first session and I'm walking him out onto the gym floor. And then he starts having like a mini panic attack. And then he, he told me that he was not comfortable with working out in front of all these people. You know, it was kind of like one of those five o'clock on a Monday sort of deals. The gym is packed. Oh, yeah. and, that, and that stuck with me. Because it, it really pointed out the fact that not everyone's comfortable to be there. They're taking a big step to hire a trainer in the first place, right? Yeah. And now to go out there and do something that you don't feel confident in, in front of other people that you feel are, are judging you in some way, can be a very negative experience. And again, it may be nothing against the trainer or, or anything against me. But if that's the experience they're feeling, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to keep paying for that. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that is absolutely something that stuck with me. And then one other thing, because this was a good piece of advice that I, I got I, a trainer early on in my career told me to get uh, my, my Christmas cards out early. But but the, the wording you gave me was something like this. You know, thank you for being my client. I appreciate your business. And the best gift you can give me is a referral. And I'm just telling you, it worked every year. I would get a few brand new clients just based off of that. Nice. That's smart. Yeah, because people don't think about that, but you probably, especially around the holidays and like the new year, that's when most people are thinking about their fitness, making a change, et cetera, the resolutioners, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, that's a great call out. Um, that's a great time to ask for referrals. And if you're trying to grow your business, referrals are where it's at, right? Referral, where people that enjoy your company, enjoy your training, enjoy what they're getting from you and, and feel like they're getting success from it, um, will absolutely refer their friends and family to you. But sometimes they forget. And we often forget to ask. So that's a great call out, John. Great call out. Excellent. Such good information. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one today. John, any last words or things to leave these guys with parting thoughts, if you will? Well, you know, I'll just say it again. Make sure to create a great experience. But, you know, the theme of, of these particular podcasts that Jenny and I do is to kind of know what's going on out there, be a source of information. And a big part of the way you're going to do that is do your research. One of the ways you can do that is listen to podcasts like this um, so that we can point you in the right direction of uh, what's good and, and maybe what's more like uh, caffeine mouth rinse, right? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> not yeah, so, proven. Uh, right, yeah, not, not proven. So, yeah, so, so do your research, uh, but also make sure to create a great experience for your clients. Absolutely. And yeah, I would, I would leave you guys with the parting thoughts that, that this career, you can absolutely make fitness a career, um, meaning you can be in it for a very long time, make a good living doing it. Is it going to happen overnight? No. And if that's your expectation, it's going to be unrealistic and you're going to be disappointed. But just know, guys, that if you put work into this, if you decide what you want to do, and it's okay if that vision changes over time, but start thinking about what you want to do and then start working towards it. That's all you can do. This is like any other career out there. I don't know why people make it feel, feel or seem like it's so different. But it's like any other career out there. If you have a goal to get somewhere, you have to work at it. You're going to have to take baby steps to get there. You're not just going to open the door. You got your interview. You got hired. And day one, you're where you want to be. It doesn't happen that way. Um, so keep working at it. 
grow um, and build the build the career that you want to have and and share it with us. We'd love to hear how you guys do it and share that with other people, share your experience with other people, which is what John and I try and do all the time. So go out there, do all the things you guys, be successful, report back, love to hear about it, but make good choices. We'll be talking to you soon. Yeah.